But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissension, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I say, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with, with, with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. I've read to you Galatians 5, 16 through 26. I was given two choices, either walk up the rickety steps on a temporary stage that maybe could hold my weight or be up here. I chose wisely. Although my inner Chris Farley is coming out right now. Doug, what if I went into this table? Wouldn't that be fantastic? To start off this morning, Joel and Sally DeRoe, y'all here? Stand up, please. Today is Joel and Sally's last Sunday here at KCC. Oh, I know. I know. Um, Sally, don't cry. Joel has worked on the Medina campus for six and a half, six and a half years. They started as house parents in a girl's cottage. Joel then moved into intake and was a caseworker. He then took over the position of Director of Ministries. Then he became Director of basically both programs, the Together Program and Residential Child Care. Then some really mean, heartless CEO at Arms of Hope had a job opening on our other campus at Bowles of Executive Director. Joel was offered that position, and although he loves Medina and he loves being here, he knew that's what was best for Arms of Hope. And so he took that position. Now Joel's great. You got Joel at Bowles, you got Thomas at Medina. I'm happy. But with Joel comes Sally. Sally in her own right has made such a difference to the children and to the moms at Arms of Hope. She will continue that work on the Bowles campus as well. Joel said the other day, when we came here, we came with one good dog. And we're now leaving with two boys, a good dog, and a really bad dog. <laughs> but I just wanted to say to you guys that Joel loves this place. And Sally loves this place. And they have made it part of their lives over the past seven years. And I just want to give them a thundering round of applause for their hearts of service. enough of that sit down <laughs> last week we had a going away party for Joel and everyone was in there crying and all that and I was like what are y'all crying about I get to see him the same amount of time I've always seen him and they were like yeah you get to Troy okay we're gonna play a little game to start off with so put on your glasses please if you need them and we're gonna play a little Disney World Jeopardy and the way this works is I'm gonna give you an answer and then a picture is going to pop up after I give the answer Patrick 
and then I'm going to tell you the question. Y'all understand? All right, so let's try one. Answer. Taco meat, Old Spice, and body odor. Taco meat, Old Spice, and body odor. Put the picture up. What I didn't realize Mr. Incredible smells like. All right, next one, answer. Use the resources around you. Use the resources around you. Picture. What to do when Titus and Joshua act up at Disney World. Next one, answer. Because they'll put your face on the big screen for the whole park to see. Question. Why Troy shouldn't fall asleep on a ride at Disney World. Y'all see that? It was hot. And then I got on one of those little rides on the inside of that big ball at Epcot and the air conditioner was on, I fell asleep. Okay, next one, 11 a.m., 11 a.m. What time each day did inner thigh chafing begin? <laughs> it's true, there's not enough diaper rash medicine out there. All right, next one, professional counseling, professional counseling. What Titus needed after I made him ride this roller coaster with me? Look at his eyes. Titus, your eyes were open though. What's dad's eyes doing? All right, and then finally the answer is yes. Yes. And the question, oh, was it worth it? Was it worth it? Yeah, okay. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for today, Lord, and the words that you have given me to speak Father, on some things that you have shown me the last month or two of my life, Father, may they come out in a bold and clear way. Lord, we are so thankful for Joel and Sally, for Isaac and Gabriel. We pray for blessings upon them in their move. That, Father, Joel will lead that campus in a way that I know will make you so proud. And that Sally, Father, as she works with kids and single moms there, will continue doing your ministry. Lord, we love you. We give you this day. In Christ's holy name, amen. All right, so that was the hook, but I really did learn some things. I went to Disney World a month, month and a half ago. I took my two oldest daughters, Emily, who was about a month away at that time of getting married, which she got married last Sunday night. So one, yes, clap for that. One's gone. One. One's off the payroll. Six more to go. Bailey, my 19-year-old, and the two boys, Joshua and Titus. And what I want to talk to you today is what God put on my heart. And what he put on my heart was love, joy, and peace. Because you see, before that trip began, I was in deep prayer about the type of father and the type of Christian I would be on that trip. The scripture will pop up. It's the one that, that DR read earlier. And what it talks about is living by the Spirit. That was my prayer to God right before I went on this trip was, Lord, let me live by the Spirit. And the words that kept coming up to me over and over again in my own intellect was self-control. 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 Because I knew on the trip there would be things that I would see or deal with that might be a struggle. For example, if you've ever been in a 
big public place like that in the summertime, you know that sometimes females do not wear a lot of clothing. Now, one of these days when I get the moxie, I'm going to dress like they do at Disney World. And it's going to be a magical experience for everyone. But I knew I was going to face some of that. And it was like, Lord, watch my eyes, my boy. Self-control, self-control. I knew that I would be around rude people. I really struggle with rude people. You know, I've said it before, but I'll say it again. The people that look like they were just nursed on a pickle. Right? They're so sour. Right? You with me? Some people wake up and they go through their day and they have some bad things happen and they're kind of, you know, tired and sad and grumpy. By and then there's those people that just look like, my gosh, what is wrong with you? And I knew I would deal with some of those people. I knew I was going to have two girls with me that are very independent. That although I'm strategically going to open a map of Disney World and figure out the least amount of walking I have to do. They're not going to think about that. They're going to say, Dad, let's go to this side of the park and do this, and let's go to this side of the park and do that. And then I'm going to have two little boys with me, which are fantastic boys. But at the same time, they're eight and six. And I kept praying, Lord, self-control, self-control, self-control. And then finally, i got to be honest with you. I don't freak, freak out, but I don't like riding on an airplane. It's not comfortable for me. I don't like riding on roller coasters. You know, you get on a roller coaster and everyone else, the thing comes over, it's like click, 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 click. And on me, it's like click. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I hope that's like the strongest click in the world. Right? I, I, don't, I don't dig that. And I don't want to freak out in front of my boys, but I'm a, I mean, you know, I don't cry or I don't. I get a little scared of that stuff. I don't like that stuff. I'm a little bit scared. And so I kept, don't be scared. Self-control, self-control. And, and what was wild is God said to me, you're, you're looking at all this all wrong. You're getting it backwards, Troy. You're looking at what you think you shouldn't do, and I want you to look at what you should do. And that's love, joy, and peace. You know, lists happen for a reason. Some lists happen alphabetically. And when we look at the fruit of the Spirit, obviously that's not the case. It's not an alphabetical format. Sometimes lists are in chronological format, right? When someone says who their children are, what do they usually do? They start with the oldest. Y'all with me? They go, da-da. Except for my mom. She always starts with Troy. For, I don't understand that. But anyway, most people start it chronologically. Okay? But that's not the case here either. So, so what is it? Are they all equal? When you look at the fruit of the Spirit and you go love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, is it just they just happen to be in that particular order? I don't think so. And let me prove my point. Or try to. So Galatians was written by the Apostle Paul. 1 Corinthians was written by the Apostle Paul. 1 Corinthians 13. And now I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, am I not a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal? If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. 
If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It is not proud. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Now these three remain. Faith, pretty important. Hope, pretty important in love. But the greatest of these is love. Can I just suggest to you that maybe there's a reason love is listed first on the fruit of the Spirit? Or at least let me tell you how it affected me, and maybe you can think how it affects you in your life. I have met people in my life that have self-control, or at least on the outside they look that way. They obey the Ten Commandments, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious, like DR read. They do those things. But quite frankly, it doesn't look like they have much love, joy, and peace in their life. So you can have that end of things, but we're called to have both ends of things. I believe that's legalism. I know people who have the self-control. I know people who do the right things, but they lack the love, joy, and peace. Now the opposite, the people I know in my life that truly have love, joy, and peace. That doesn't mean perfection. That doesn't mean perfection, but you can just tell. They have love joy and peace. They also are the ones that actually have the spiritual disciplines on the other end. And that's what God was telling me. Quit focusing on just the self-control. Inevitably, self-control without love, joy, and peace is destined to fail. It's destined to fail. And so how do I put that in practice? So for example, let's define them, or at least how I define them. Love to me as a Christ follower, means two things. One, the realization that everyone has a story. The realization that everyone has a story. You guys are not just faces. I'm not just a face. We have a story. We have ups. We have downs. We have trials. We have joys. We have bad days. We have good days. Coming to church this morning, you might have gotten into a fight with a family member. You might have a great time with a family member coming to church. Last night might have been a bad night for you this weekend. We all have stories. And number two, God loves everyone's story. And once I realized that, it kind of changed the way I looked at things. Doesn't matter the gender. Doesn't matter the nationality. Doesn't matter the color of skin. God loves all of us the same. I am not loved any more than anyone else by God. Can you believe that? That's hard for me to take a little bit, Troy. Troy Robertson, good little Kerrville boy, played football at Kerrville Tivy. I'm in the Hall of Fame, matter of fact. It's cool to be on a team that does well, even if you don't, you get into the Hall of Fame. 
raised by great parents, have great siblings, have an amazing wife, have seven children, work at Arms of Hope. Oh my gosh, surely God loves me a little more than someone in Iraq or Iran. And the answer is nope. Not one bit. And so to realize that, and as you go into a place like work, or a family gathering, or just a convenience store clerk, or the waitress at the restaurant that you think is being a little rude, to realize they have their own story. And to realize that God loves them, it totally changes the perception of things. What about joy? Joy to me, very simply, is focusing on what you have rather than what you don't have. Let me repeat that. Focusing on what you have rather than what you don't have. Every one of us could get up on this stage and talk about things we don't have, couldn't we? Or we could list someone who has more than we do. Right? A better marriage, better children, better job, more money. We could do that. And inevitably in human nature we seem to go that way, don't we? But really what we should be focusing on is looking this way and being thankful for what we do have. Now this isn't a guilt trip and I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad, but do you understand the fact that you're healthy enough to be in this building right now some people would give anything for? Y'all with me? The fact that we're going to Mama Cita's after church today, although my boys told me, do we have to go to Mama Cita's after church every Sunday? Yes, that's what the Robertson family does. But the fact that we can afford to go eat at Mama Cita's, that's a blessing. The fact that you have food on your table, the fact that you have a job, I know things aren't perfect, but that joy of realizing what we have rather than what we don't have. And that really helped me. Not just at Disney World two months ago, but currently. The love and the joy of focusing on what God has given me, not what I think other people have instead of me. And then peace. Peace to me is not a cliche. It's not something, no offense, but it's not a church marquee sign that says let go and let God. Whew. Okay, easier said than done. But peace really is that lifeline when all else fails. You know, that deep sense of knowing, of knowing where you are heading when this life is over. I know where I'm going. Do you? Do you know where you're going? Uh, I, oh man, no hands. Come on. That peace, you know what I'm talking about? Isn't that amazing? Of Even when things get hard and they get difficult, of knowing that we have a such bigger hope than just what's here. Is this it? I mean, no knock, joy, love, joy, yes, but the peace part comes with knowing all the trials and tribulations someday will be done. Isn't that exciting? No sickness, no tears, no stress, no anxiety. And once again, I don't say that in a shallow way. I'm saying when the storms are coming, that's what gets you through. Now, let me tell you some things that I noticed, and maybe they will apply to you as well. Number one is you still need self-control. Now, I tried this ever since I went back from Disney World, and it's really worked 95% of the time. Love, joy, and peace. Love, joy, and peace. In a restaurant with a waiter, not waitress, waiter, who is being rude to my children. Love, 
He has a story. God loves him. Maybe he's having a bad day. Joy. Well, I'm in this restaurant, so that's good. You know, I have the money to afford to buy my family this. Peace. No matter how rude he's going to be to me, I am a Christ follower. I live for something more. None of those worked with this dude. All right? None of those worked with this dude. And you have to then go to what? Self-control. Self-control, plain and simple. There wasn't no love. There wasn't any joy. There wasn't any peace. The only thing that kept me from doing something was jail time <laughs> and self-control. Okay? So I understand that. I think that's why Paul listed all nine. There's a time for that. But I will tell you, love, joy, and peace have certainly made a difference in how I view things. View things with coworkers. View things with family. View things with friends. View things with, oh my gosh, I, with enemies. You know, there's something about that love your enemy thing. Just try it. It makes a difference. Second thing, I'm not up here preaching rainbows and skittles. I'm not up here preaching rainbows and skittles. I'm just asking you to try something in your life that God put in my heart. There are bad days. Do we get jealous? Do we get envious? Is it hard to always love? Sometimes is that peace just gone? We're like, yeah, I know someday I'm going to heaven, but right now really stinks. Yeah, yeah, no rainbows and Skittles. It's tough. It's hard. This world is hard. But I think God gives us these things to help. And then finally, what it doesn't mean is you don't hold people accountable or that you're weak. A lot of people feel like if you love people and you're joyful around people and you have this peace about you, that means you can't get anything done, especially as a leader or a supervisor. I'm here to tell you that's not the case. You can have love, joy, and peace, and you can still hold people accountable. You can still set boundaries. I'm not saying love, joy, and peace all of a sudden means you put yourself in a toxic situation. You can still do those things but have love, joy, and peace towards somebody. Okay, a couple of questions, and then I'm going to cut off early because I want to talk about something way more important than me talking. Just something to think about if, if any of this has kind of hit you in a spot. What whom is a danger to your love, joy, and peace, and what are you going to do about it? It really is that simple. If you believe this, if you believe the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, if you believe that maybe there's something to love being number one, of those nine. If you believe that maybe love, joy, and peace could kind of change your perspective on life, what are you going to do about it? Are there people in your life and are there things in your life that affect your love, joy, and peace? I just ask you to think about that. And then opposite is, are there people in your life or things in your life you need to fill yourself up more with because it brings you more love, joy, and peace? It can be simple things. I know Jimmy from Rio Dosa loves to go play nine holes of golf. It brings him joy. That's great. It kind of fills up his cup. Something like that. What are some things that can bring you more love, joy, and peace so then you can put that out towards others? And what are some things, quite frankly, that maybe you need to change in your life, some things that I need to change in my life that are a danger to my love, joy, and peace? Will you think about that? Yes? All right, thank you. Okay, enough of that nonsense. All right, let's talk about something way more important. So today, I know for sure we have at least two baptisms. 
two. Yes, clap, please. I pray that it's more than two, but, but I want to take just a couple of minutes, and that's why I shut this off early. I, I just want to take a couple of minutes to talk about this, because, um, so last Sunday, I uh, had the blessing of walking my daughter, my oldest child, down the aisle and give her away her hand in marriage. Uh, I, if you look at pictures with no one will, because they're looking at her, which they should, I have a smile on my face from ear to ear that I can't get off. I had warm, burning sensations, and it was... I don't know how to describe it, okay? Now, I've been blessed, once again, to see my children born. I've been blessed with a great marriage. I've been blessed with some educational accomplishments. And those things are great. Please don't get me wrong. But even giving away my daughter in marriage did not compare to the day that I was baptized. It didn't compare. I remember the feelings I had four or five days beforehand, knowing that that Sunday I was going to be baptized in front of the church. I remember the nervous sensation I felt that morning, but a good nervous sensation, this excitement of knowing that I was going to go in that water and I was going to come out and my sins would be set free. I got so excited knowing that my family and friends were so excited for me. Some, even though that was 37 years ago, some of which are even still in this audience that watched me get baptized at the real church, the one on Sydney Baker. <laughs> it's a great day. It is more important than any football game, more important than any high school or collegiate uh, graduation, more important than anything is when someone gives their life in Christ. And so we're going to get to experience that here in just a minute. So if you thought that this was just a decoration up on stage and it was full of like silly string, it's not. It's full of wonderful, beautiful water. And so I just want to ask you, while you are watching these two baptisms, to think back on your own. Think back of that day. Think back of the feelings you had when you made that commitment. For some of us, it might be a time for us to recommit. To say, you know what, Lord, there's some areas in our life where love, joy, and peace just aren't there. And we want to change that. For others, it might be, what is all this? What's that big dude up? What's he talking about baptism? And what are these girls doing up here? And what is all that? And if that's you, I encourage you to talk to someone. Talk to someone about what all this means. And so I just want to encourage you as we get to experience quite frankly, the most important thing in the world. Right? Y'all with me? Okay? I want you to rejoice and celebrate. I want you to stick around and hug their necks and tell them how proud you are of them. And I want you to be encouragement to them and supporters to them. And finally, I want you to think about your own spiritual walk and some areas that we just discussed. Let's pray. Father God, thank you again for today. I want to thank you for this congregation, what it has meant to so many people for such a long time. I want to thank you, Lord, for your word. I want to thank you for speaking to me, Father, a couple months ago to kind of reverse my thought process, to realize, Father, it's not, it's not just about what I shouldn't be doing, but really it's what I should be doing, and that's showing people love and to be joyful and to have peace. And, Father, thank you how that has affected my life the last two months. 
Lord, we are so excited about what's about to happen. And we ask that you will wrap these two precious young girls in your arms, that you will surround them, Lord, in your spirit. We give them to you. In Christ's holy name, amen. Please stand.